from High Top Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Justin Higginbottom. This is your news for Monday, November 21st. If you drove down Cane Creek Boulevard over the weekend, you might have seen signs for a cave sale. It's what it sounds like, a very Moab take on your weekend yard sale. The caves on the bank of this stretch of the Colorado River have drawn drivers' eyes from the dramatic canyon walls for decades. They're a quirky part of Moab's history, or at least used to be. Ann Walden's family last owned this land. She's guiding a trickle of visitors through the property and retelling some of that history. We had 3,000 chickens in here, and we supplied the town with the eggs. Walden's family sold their farm in Illinois and came to Moab in the early 70s. They bought this stretch of canyon country, which already included the cave complex. uh, My dad and I came out here one winter, and he came down here and he says, this has always been my dream. The previous owner built the caves in the 50s and used them to store chickens. It was cool in the blistering summer and warm in the biting winters. Overhead lights would dim at night so the chickens could rest. Everything was, the temperature was so nice for these chickens. I mean, it was, it was great for them. The Waldens took over the business, providing fresh eggs to grocery stores and restaurants. People would buy the chicken droppings, which seemed to pile up as fast as you could shovel it, for fertilizer. The Walden kids all had a role in the operation. It was Ann's job to primarily collect the eggs. This here was uh, my washroom here. I had a a tank here where I uh, had soap I put in, and then I had baskets. I had like a grocery She's walking me through the cave. After a couple small rooms in the front, it opens up into a space about the size of a basketball court with exposed jagged white rock walls. I'd go through here on these little pads with a grocery cart and I'd have my baskets. And I'd grab the basket and put it up and I'd gently grab the eggs and put them into the basket. And then I'd get that one full and I'd put it down. And and as soon as I get enough in, I'd go into the washroom wash them and then put them out there for my sisters to do the cannelling. My brother and my mother deliver the eggs. It may have been her father's dream, but to Walden, it wasn't the best gig as a teenager. I had a, a raincoat, rubber boots, and a shower cap, and a paper mask to wear when I come in, because <laughs> it stunk. <laughs> yeah, I always tell people, I says, no wonder I never had no friends in high school. I stunk, <laughs> like a chicken, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we had we have our memories with it. We had uh, we only had one chicken that was mean, and she was always at the very end on the other side. And every time we'd come down, you know, I get tried to get the eggs. She'd stick her head out and she'd try to peck you. Okay, my brother, she pecked him, and he took the the feeding deal and opened the cage and knocked her out. Well, that didn't help matters because she got worse. So the next time we go, she got where, you know, it quieted her for about a couple days. After that, she got even worse. And mean so, chicken. yeah, mean chicken. You want to sell that meal bar or you keep it at the No, I'm, no I'm selling that. Are you? Yeah. I, I'm selling anything I can say. All right. So if you know anybody wants a meal bar, that's, that's that. wood burned in. Is that? Yes. That's pretty cool. And if you look at it, in fact, I'm the artist. <laughs> Are you? Yeah. You see my initials right here? Oh, yes. And I did it in 2015. And that's all been wood burned in. Oh, that is cool. It took me 
a lot of time and work to do that. I bet it did. In the mid-70s, the Waldens quit the chicken business, and the cave became sort of a storage area. There's engine parts, cans of paint, some green office chairs from the 70s. In the back, there's a piano, $50 or your best offer. Everything needs to go. Whatever's left will be tossed out. Walden says she'll be glad to be rid of all the stuff in here, but this cave also holds some nostalgia. He was always trying to, my brother Ed was always trying to get out of uh, his job in some way. One, one morning when he was at breakfast and he goes, Mom, he says, Ann's going to have to do my job. And he goes, I had a horrible dream last night. And we're sitting there going, I says, I'm not doing your job. I got this and this, you know. And, and he goes, but you got to. And I go, well, why? Mom asking too, you know. And he goes, well, you know that one mean chicken down on the other end? And we go, well, yeah. He says, she popped her head up over out of the cage. She hollered out to the rest of the girls. And she says, okay, girls, at the count of 10, we open our cages and we get him. And he says, mom, they started counting down. And he says, they opened their cages and they chased me all the way into town and they got big. They got big. They weren't little chickens anymore. And I go, oh no, Ed, you're doing your job. <laughs> Developers recently bought this land. They're building a neighborhood of vacation homes on the property. There was a man renting this space and living in it for a time. And there were others in tract homes, also on the Walden's land. They were all kicked out. It's unclear what will happen to the caves now, but it's unlikely those plans will include chickens. A mass shooting at a gay nightclub in Colorado Springs over the weekend took the lives of five people and left at least 25 others wounded. As Rocky Mountain Community Radio's KDNK's Morgan Neely reports, authorities suspect the horrific incident was a hate crime. First opening its doors in 2002, Club Q had long been known as a fun, safe spot for the LGBTQ community in conservative Colorado Springs. For decades, fundamentalist Christian groups in the city, such as Focus on the Family, have spread disinformation and propaganda about LGBTQ people, all while stridently opposing same-sex marriage and fighting to limit workplace protections for queer community members. One of the club's owners told the New York Times that because of the hostile climate in Colorado Springs, Club Q's location was chosen to be inconspicuous, with an entrance people could use without being seen. The Associated Press interviewed club patron Joshua Thurman at a vigil near the club on Sunday morning. Our community is shattered. This is the only LGBTQIA plus space we have in the city of Colorado Springs. Where are we going to go? Thurman says he was on the dance floor when the attack unfolded late Saturday night, just a few minutes before midnight. Barely six minutes after the alleged gunman entered the building, police had 22-year-old Anderson Lee Aldrich in custody. The suspect can reportedly be seen in surveillance footage prior to the assault moving across the parking lot clad in body armor. Police recovered an AR-15-style assault rifle, a handgun, and other unidentified weapons from the scene. A longtime bartender was among those killed. Authorities credit a patron with saving perhaps dozens of lives by grabbing a handgun from the perpetrator, striking him with it, and, along with another person, subduing him until police arrived. Speaking at a press conference early Sunday morning, Colorado Springs Police Chief Adrian Vasquez said Club Q had been a safe space for members of the LGBTQ community to gather. Every citizen has the right to feel safe and secure in our city. 
to go about our beautiful city without fear of being harmed or treated poorly. I'm so terribly saddened and heartbroken. Michael Allen, the district attorney for the 4th Judicial District, which includes Colorado Springs, said Sunday morning that the case is being investigated through the lens of being a bias-motivated or hate crime. The uh, current bias-motivated crime statute in the state of Colorado provides some elevation, uh, but will not elevate beyond what will likely be charges in this case, which will likely include first-degree murder, uh, extreme indifference murder, those types of charges, which are all class one felony murder charges. Thurman, the club goer who was able to flee the dance floor and shelter in a dressing room during the shooting, told the Associated Press he doesn't know what's next for the gay community in Colorado Springs. How can we now do anything knowing like something like this can happen? Rocky Mountain Community Radio's Maeve Conran contributed to this report. For KDNK News and Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Morgan Neely. That story was shared with us via Rocky Mountain Community Radio, a network of public media stations in Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, and New Mexico, including KZMU. Early season storms have left snow totals above average throughout much of the western U.S. KUNC's Alex Hager has more. About 60% of the Colorado River starts as snow in Colorado. That's a water lifeline for more than 40 million people from Wyoming to Mexico. This year's snowpack is off to a good start, but the basin would need years of back-to-back wet conditions to help erase drought. Becky Bollinger is Colorado's assistant state climatologist. We've had a a few rough years, and so to get us back into a, a more comfortable spot, we really need above average peak and a nice slow, sustained melting season in the spring. To keep up those higher-than-average totals, Bollinger says the mountains need consistent snow every week until the spring. I'm Alex Hager. Meanwhile, snowpack in Utah is higher than many other parts of the Mountain West. Most regions of the state are showing more than 200% of average for this time of year. And that's the KZMU News for Monday, November 21st. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.